Hi, you're listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan Chicago. We're releasing our sermons so that no matter where you were Friday, you can enjoy a piece of Shabbat today. I am Sarah Bateman. I'm a clinical social worker with private practice in Teaneck, New Jersey, and I'm also the Renfrew Center's Jewish Community Liaison working to ensure that the Renfrew Center provides treatment for all Jewish patients with eating disorders and also spreading awareness about eating disorders in the Jewish community and for clinicians who work with the Jewish community across the country. Thank you so much for having me. Some people worry that if they talk about eating disorders, it means they have a problem in their community. I say that by talking about it, we can have less of a problem. So thank you for being willing to talk, to learn, and to try to help be part of the solution. Eating disorders are not just illnesses for adolescent girls who want to be thin. Eating disorders can affect anyone at any age, any gender, any race or color, any socioeconomic status, and it is not just about wanting to be thin. Eating disorders are serious and potentially life-threatening illnesses that can affect anyone. While I can't give a full training course in the next 10 minutes, I'd like to give you a quick idea of some of the warning signs to look out for, provide some understanding of the effects of the pandemic on eating disorders in the Jewish community, and briefly explore some ideas that could hopefully be helpful. First, warning signs of eating disorders. And I'm going to give definitions of the different eating disorders as well. Anorexia nervosa is when a person does not take in enough calories to sustain their body's needs. This is characterized by self-imposed starvation. There's constant talk and behavior focused around body image and losing weight, despite not being overweight or actually needing to lose weight. Preoccupation with food, cooking, baking, buying food, even though they're not eating. They may be thin and getting thinner, but they feel overweight. Bulimia nervosa is characterized by repeated cycles of binging and purging. A binge can mean eating a large amount of food in a short amount of time, or it can even be a relatively small amount of food, but the person feels out of control when eating it. A purge means self-induced vomiting, laxative use, or it can also mean obsessive exercise. It doesn't just mean vomiting. It means anything to get rid of the excess calories one feels they consumed. Warning signs of bulimia can be trips to the bathroom after meals or eating, preoccupation with shape, weight, or body image as a source of self-esteem or fluctuations in weight, although there can also be no change in weight. Frequent fluctuation in mood can be another warning sign. Bulimia is often seen in men with preoccupation with going to the gym and over-exercise. Binge eating disorder can be recognized by eating large amounts of food, even when not physically hungry, as a way of coping with feelings, and uncontrolled eating or binging followed by periods of guilt and depression. A warning sign can be eating only alone. Most people with eating disorders do not stick to one set of symptoms, but rather cycle between the different symptoms and have a diagnosis of other specified feeding or eating disorder. This is important to understand because for for many people, this feeds into the idea that they are not actually sick enough and that they don't need or deserve to get help, that they're they're not even good enough in their eating disorder to be worthy of treatment. An underlying feeling for those suffering from eating disorders is to not feel that they are deserving or good enough in the first place. And this can really get in the way of getting help. 
Many people don't meet the diagnostic criteria for any actual disorder, but may still suffer from disordered eating and not have a healthy relationship with food or their bodies. Regardless of the diagnosis, when a person is struggling at any level, early intervention can lead to more sustained recovery. In other words, get help, don't wait for it to get worse. Eating disorders are largely perpetuated by emotional intolerance and avoidance, as well as relational disconnection. What does this mean? People with eating disorders are often not able to tolerate their own emotions and are using symptoms in order to try to get rid of their feelings. People with eating disorders often are disconnected from other people as well and are trying to avoid connection. So how does this relate to Judaism and how has this been affected by the pandemic? Nearly two thirds of Americans suffering from anorexia at the onset of the pandemic experienced a worsening of symptoms according to the International Journal of Eating Disorders. For binge eating disorder, one third of US patients felt a greater urge, urge to binge and did so more often during the pandemic. Obviously the pandemic altered our daily routines. During the initial shutdown, people were isolated, but even now interactions are still limited and there are fewer opportunities. This leads to increased feelings of loneliness, anxiety, and depression not to mention the anxiety and fear surrounding COVID itself. Technology became a savior in many ways. Screens became our lifelines to the outside world. Television, phones, and Zoom became ways to connect, work, speak, socialize, and even pray. Synagogues, a center of community and connection, could not meet in person, but in many reform and conservative communities, services resumed online. Orthodox rabbis acknowledged the dangers of loneliness and isolation and said they would keep their phones on and that people who don't normally use electronics on the Sabbath have to call if their mental health is at risk. So one of the good things that has come out of the pandemic is the increased awareness of mental health, the normalization of talking about depression, anxiety, other mental illnesses, and the reduced stigma in getting help and seeing a therapist. However, the increased use of, te uh, the increased use of technology has brought new challenges for some. More time spent on screens means more time spent on social media for many. Numerous studies have found strong links between social media use and negative mental health. Time spent on social media often increases exposure to thin or unhealthy athletic ideals. Pervasive messages advise on how to lose the quarantine 15, suggesting that weight gain is harmful and must be reversed, further contributing to body image issues and possibly influencing disordered eating or overexercise. Staying home contributes to less physical activity for some and preoccupation with exercise for others. In reality, when the whole world turns upside down, all your habits and routines are disrupted, it actually makes sense and is quite normal for your body and your weight to change. Our habits changed, our worlds changed. Do we also need to beat ourselves up because our bodies changed? The next challenge is what we call Zoom dysmorphia. This is characterized by increased feelings of self-consciousness and body dissatisfaction, as well as greater pressure to change appearance due to increased time on video calls, looking at ourselves. Those who suffer from body image issues are particularly at risk for this self-criticism, which may lead to disordered eating, over-exercise, or desire to seek cosmetic procedures. We're seeing Zoom dysmorphia in men as well as women, transgender, cisgender alike. 
Imagine you hate your nose so much that looking at it causes you distress and you try to avoid mirrors. Now, in order to get your work done, you need to stare at your nose on camera while trying to speak, listen, and focus. This can be incredibly debilitating at work, but also socially and in other settings, including therapy, which for many people moved to being on video as well. One's perceived flaws about themselves can become magnified and consume their attention and focus. So how can we help? Increasingly, we are turning off the cameras and trying to meet in person when we can safely. And when we can't, we can strengthen our mental tools. Learning to love the skin you're in is one idea. With fewer opportunities for beauty appointments, many have worked to embrace their natural looks. Going gray, having roots, not getting manicures all became normalized. For some, turning off the camera while on a Zoom call, covering part of your screen with a post-it, or angling your camera up is necessary to get through the day. With the slowing down of the pace of our lives, many people have also had the opportunity to think about what's important to them. And they've been able to focus on how they wanna use their time rather than just getting caught up in their busy schedules. This provides an opportunity for reflection and mindfulness, perhaps even intention and meaning. As I mentioned, eating disorders are characterized by emotional and social disconnection. This means that we can't manage our own feelings. In treatment, we learn how to tolerate our feelings and go through them rather than trying to get rid of them. What we need to understand is that our feelings don't hurt us, but the behaviors that we engage in to try and get rid of them can hurt us. When we can feel our feelings and know that it's okay to have them, we don't need to get rid of them as badly. So I hope you can think about how you can connect with someone else as well as with yourselves. See if you can be present with yourselves and allow yourself your feelings, even the bad ones or the ones we think of as bad. See if you can maybe ask someone else how they're doing, provide a non-judgmental listening ear to someone else who may need to talk and may be struggling to connect. Help them find their voice and also use your own. Because when our worlds turn upside down, it makes sense for our eatings and our bodies and our weight to change. And that does not have to be a problem. As long as we can find a way to stay connected, have compassion for ourselves and see how we can support each other. Judaism teaches us to love and honor our bodies and we're supposed to put life and health first. One of the ways we can pursue recovery is by reconnecting and trying to focus less on what we look like and more on what we value. The Jewish community gives us a wonderful way to do so. I hope you can each find a little extra piece this Shabbat for yourselves and for each other. Shabbat Shalom. You've been listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan Chicago. If you enjoyed this sermon and want to join us live, tune in to Shabbat services through Facebook most Fridays of the month and through Zoom two Saturday mornings a month. Our schedule of services and programs can be found at mishkanchicago.org slash events, where there's also a link to donate and support our work. And you can visit us on Facebook or Instagram at Mishkan Chicago. Until then, please feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. As always, we want to hear from you. This episode has been brought to you by me, Zach Weinberg, 
Our editor and producer, Hannah Rehack. Our rabbinical team, Rabbis Lizzie Heideman and Dina Cowens. And our director of communications, Ashley Donahue. On behalf of Teen Mishkan, thanks for tuning in. Thank you.